Once again, we have a special treat for you all this morning. I have my father-in-law is going to come and speak and share this morning. And uh, just welcome him. Let's welcome him. And Thank you, Pastor Sid. The only thing is he came home without the grandkids. So now the grandparents have got to go over there and get them and bring them back, all right? So you all pray for us. Ready for those kids to be home, aren't you? Absolutely. Six months long enough. Praise the Lord. Thank God for FaceTime, though. Can you imagine years ago, you know, when when missionaries and people overseas had to write letters? When's the last time you ever wrote a letter and used postal mail, you know, with someone overseas? It took two, three weeks to get the letter. So, so, uh, amen. You know, praise God for his presence here today. And praise, praise God that we can feel the manifested presence of God. Amen. But how many know we don't go by those feelings? We go by faith. And so Thursday afternoon when you don't feel anything, how many know God's still there? Amen. Amen. And we got his word to always turn to, and his word is his presence. When you read the word, his presence will be right there. And when you read the word, quote the word, confess the word, pray the word, sing the word, how many know the enemy can't stand the word? So we got to be people of the word of God. And spirit people are word people. Spirit people are word people because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And he anoints the word, and that's what gets us through any tough time is the word of God. Because you've ever gone through a time when you you just weren't feeling it, you weren't seeing it, you weren't getting the answer, but you went by faith on the word, and God got you through. How many can say amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How many have decided, because how many know it's a decision you make? How many have decided with your will, because how many know love's not a feeling, love's a decision. Love's an action. Okay? I decide. So how many have decided with your will that in 2019 you're going to love Jesus more than you did last year? Amen? Have you decided you're going to love him more? You know, and that means we've got to do something. We've got to press in to the Lord. We've got to press in. And let the Lord uh, reveal to us. Well, there's scripture in your Bibles in John 14. So turn to John 14. I'm reading in the New International Version, the NIV, John 14, and the first six verses. John 14 and the first six verses. Now, it used to, in our church, I could hear the rustling of the pages of the Bible, and I'm hearing that a little bit here today, but boy, there's so many people with electronic Bibles, now you hear a click instead of a, sometimes you don't even hear the click, you know, they just, are you there? Look at it together. Now, I want you to put the context of the first five five verses with verse six. I'm going to preach on verse six. You know verse six by heart. Okay, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except them. It's John. How many had that already memorized? Okay, sometimes we forget where they're at, so we have to refresh our memory. It's John 14, 6, but you knew that scripture. But, but be sure you put that verse in context with the other five. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that, now, I love that part of that translation because the old translation is many mansions, But, folks, I don't know about you, but I don't want my mansion, okay? I want a five-star hotel. I want a room. You know, if I have a mansion, that tells me i got to mow the grass and i got to keep it up. And 
Uh, you know, I, I don't want to do that. I want to be in Jesus' house, okay? You know, I want the angels to come serve me. You know, I, I want to be in the house of God. So, I don't know, I just kind of like this thought, you know, that we're going to be in God's house. It's going to be a big house. It's going to be enough rooms for all of us. Hallelujah. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, sounds like a reservation to me, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. How many want to be where God is? Hallelujah. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, now Thomas, he's just like us. We call him Doubting Thomas, but hey, how many have ever had a doubt? Okay. So let's be, just be nice to Thomas. Let's not call him Doubting Thomas because actually he came through with a lot of faith. Amen. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the classic story, that wasn't me. Do what? A little higher? My hand higher. Oh, I'm, I am blocking the signal. Okay. How many don't want to block the signal of the Lord? Hallelujah. Praise God. God's trying to talk. We just need to listen. Uh, Let me share a little illustration here in the classic story of Alice in Wonderland. Alice comes to a fork in the road and meets the cat, right? Cheshire cat. Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat, so long as you get somewhere. Alice added as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat, if we'll only walk long enough. Now, I want to ask you a question. Where do you want to go with your life? Where do you want to end up in 2019 or 2020 or 10 years? Individually, family-wise, corporately as a church, we've got to ask ourselves a question, right? Where do you want to end up? What is your destiny? Jesus came into the world to save people who are lost. His mission is recorded in Luke 19.10, where Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If that's the mission of Christ, that's the mission of the church, right? Is there anybody lost out here around us in this world? There's a lot of lost people. Our mission is to seek them. Have you lost direction for your life? That's the question. Have you lost any direction? It's easy for a believer who loves God to lose a little purpose, lose a little direction. We've got to have direction. You know, used to we had a thing called maps and atlases that we'd look at to see where we're going. Now we just turn to this little phone, don't we? And we use our GPS. Now, isn't GPS a wonderful thing until it doesn't work right? How many have ever, how many have ever been guided in the wrong direction by good old GPS? That we were putting all of our faith. Aren't you glad we can put our faith in the Holy Spirit and the Word of God will never steer us wrong? We, we had gone a couple of years ago to my, my niece's, uh, Linda's niece's uh, wedding in Kentucky. And it was out in the country. I mean, it was out in the country of Kentucky. It was an out, out, out there. And when we left, it was, it was getting dark. Well, we're depending totally on GPS to get us back. 
And I mean, there wasn't any way you were going to get back without direction. Well, I guess GPS lost the signal. So we didn't make the left turn. We went straight. And we're making these hairpin curves like this, only we're going down. And we're going down, and we're going down. I said, I don't know. We're, we're, going, we're, we're going down. We must be going to the river. I don't know where we're going, but we're. And, and I said, I got to turn around. And Linda says, well, if you turn around, what, what if someone's coming? You know, there's not enough room here. You know, they come around the corner, and you'd be right there. Because I was going to have to do more than a three-point turn. It's going to probably be a five-point because this is a narrow road, and, and there's a cliff over here, and it's dark, and, and you don't know where you're at. And, and, and that's not a good feeling, is it? When you're lost and you say, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just know I need to go back the other way. This is not the right way. And, I, and finally I said, nobody else is on this road, okay? I, I've, got to, I've got to stop and turn around. If someone's coming, they'll just, I'll just have to believe God's going to, going to help them stop. So we turn around, go back, pick up the GPS, and get where we're going. And, and so, so for people who are looking for direction, Jesus announces in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way. I am the way. Jesus did not say, I show you the way. I teach you the way. I point you to the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus is the way to heaven. He's the way to God. He's the way to live abundantly. He's the way to forgiveness of sins. He's the way to peace of mind. He's the way to the fullness of blessings in your life. He's the way to success. He's the way to everything that you need. What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the way? Well, a way is a road. It's a path. It's a direction to a destiny. How many are convinced that God has a destiny for your life? Are you convinced of that? See, a lot of people aren't. They come to church. They know they're going to heaven. But God's got a destiny for you, a purpose for you right now in this life And that purpose is to glorify the Lord by fulfilling the mission of the church, the mission of Christ to seek the lost. But we've got to find that destiny, that direction. That will lead you. That road, that path, that direction will lead you to God's destiny for your life. So three quick points. First of all, we've got to, first of all, look for the direction to heaven. We've got to look for it. If we look, if we seek, we'll find. We've got to look. The concept of the way is Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. The concept of the way is very predominant in the Old Testament and in in many religions. But then Jesus stands above all of the rest, all of them, and says what? I am the way. I am the way to live. I am the way to everything that you want to accomplish. The Old Testament talks about going the right way. Well, Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, and they saw what? Two mighty angels in Genesis 3.24, cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, why did God have to do that? Because if they'd eaten of it, they'd live forever in that state, and God didn't want them to live in that sinful state. God had something better. How many believe God has always got something better? We don't need to settle for, uh, for less than what God has promised for us. And, there, and so the key is here is there is a way back to the tree of life, the eternal life, but, but it's Jesus. That's the way back. And Jesus tells us that in Revelation 2.7. So you see the problem in Genesis with Adam and Eve, but back in 
Then in the end of the book, in Revelation 2, 7, to him who overcomes, that is, who has faith in Christ, I will give the right to eat what? From It was pot, the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. How was that possible? It was possible because of Jesus. When Moses stood with God on Mount Sinai, having to lead the Israelites through the desert, he prayed in Exodus thirty three thirteen, Lord, teach me your way. Show me your way. Isn't that a good prayer to pray? Show me your way that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty one. as far as for God, his way is perfect. It's a perfect way. That doesn't mean you're, you're, you're not going to have problems along the way. That just means when you do, God's there to help you. How many know that's the truth? You know, God has a perfect way for you to live, a complete way, a whole way, a blessed way. Uh, Psalm 2711, David prayed, Lord, teach me your way and lead me in the straight path because of my oppressors. When you're on God's path, his road, his way, he will free you from anything that will try to oppress you. And the enemy's always going to try to oppress you, but his tactics are always the same. He's only got a few tools in his toolbox, and he keeps using them over and over, and it's fear, and it's worry, and it's lies, because he's the father of all lies, and if we allow him, he will oppress us. But when we get on God's road, we don't have to suffer from that oppression, do we? He's going to try, but we can stand up against him. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 30, 21, God says, whether you turn to the left or to the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying what? This is the way, walk in it. Isaiah 35, 8 describes that the world will, what the world will be like when Jesus Christ returns and the kingdom of God is established in our world. He says there will be a highway and it will be called a way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. But only the redeemed will walk there. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and fleeing, uh, sighing will flee away. Proverbs 16.25 cautions us that there is a way that appears or seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to what? Death and destruction. Jesus is not a way. Jesus is the way. The Bible says in Jeremiah 6.16, God says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. God's Word is powerful, isn't it? I'm giving you a lot of Scripture because it's the best thing I'm going to say today. Is God's Word. Amen. Listen to the Word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Always come to church saying, God, there's some word in that sermon today for me. When you hear it, write it down. Hold on to it. Don't let the enemy steal the word from you between here and home. Let me know a lot of things will happen between here and home. Hold on to it. Write it down. Memorize it. Let God help you with it. The first name of our religion was not Christianity. How many know what it was? It's in Acts 9-2 and Acts 19-9, the way. They were simply known as the way. Because being a Christian is far more, now get this, this is where a lot of so-called Christians today in America miss it. Here's the tactic of the enemy. Being a Christian is far more than just believing that Jesus existed. Being a Christian is following him in his way rather than my own. Now, that's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? There's where the conflict is. There's where the real war is. 
I can say the devil made me do it, but most of the time it's just me. I'm my own biggest enemy, okay? It's my carnal flesh. And when I start wanting to do what I want to do instead of what God wants to do, then I open the door for the enemy to come in and attack me. When I surrender my will and say, God, I, I don't want to do this, but, Lord, your will be done. Isn't that what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. We have to humble ourselves. We have to submit to his way, to his direction, because his way, it's a new direction. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of acting. It's a new way of feeling. It's a new way of treating others. It's a new way of managing our money. It's a new way of, of setting goals, Every, a, a new way in everything that I do in my life. So for the church in Acts, the whole movement was simply called the way. Jesus is the way. And as he opened the way to heaven, we see that he is the way to heaven. I look to Jesus to know that I'm going to arrive someday in a real place called heaven. When I start looking for the direction to heaven, then all I need to do is to look to Jesus. Don't ever get hung up on a preacher, on a man, on your family, on a church, on a denomination, on a religion, on this, on a tradition, on that. Folks, keep your eyes on Jesus, okay? There's a lot of things I don't understand, but when I look to Jesus, he says, follow me. If I'll simply follow him, I know where it's going to end up. But if I'm over here following some man, if I'm offended by this one, if I'm, if I'm messed up over here, if, I, if I'm hung up on this, Folks, we don't, need to, we don't need to worry about some of those things. We just need to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the head of this church. He's the one that's going to get us safely there if we look to him. And how many know he's coming again? And is anybody ready for him to come? And is anybody ready like John in the book of Revelation on the end of the book? He said, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Well, we can also look at that as an escape route. Well, this world is awful, and people are, people are doing so many crazy things. I just want to get out of here. Well, that's a natural, normal feeling, okay? And we should, we should look for him every day. But if he tarries his coming, there's somebody that needs to receive the love of God through me. Somebody needs to know the way, and they don't know the way. They can only know the way when they see Jesus in your life and in my life. And so we've got to show them. Even though they sometimes say they don't want that, they really do down deep inside. So we've got to look for the direction to heaven. And secondly, we've got to discover the revelation of Jesus. Discover the revelation of Jesus. John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the true light. He gives light to everyone. He came to this earth to light our way back to God. John 1.12 says, All who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Hebrews 10, verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, bringing our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. How many know you're a child of God and you're on your way to heaven? Just lift your hands and praise him for it right now. Isn't it a marvelous thing? Hallelujah. And did God not set up this service 
because your songs and the message in tongues and the interpretation is all in my message right here. I haven't changed a thing. This is what God laid on my heart, and it's already been evident here today. God's wanting to speak to us. You see, we don't go to heaven based on our good works. I tell you what, we know that, but we have a natural tendency to simply relegate our Christianity to good works. We do it all the time. I see it all the time in funerals. And it's only natural to talk about the good works of the, of the deceased if they were a person living for God and they did good works. It's only normal and natural. But I tell you what, we've got to be careful we don't spend all the time there and, and suggest to the people who are there that all those good works is how they got to heaven. I'm always quick at the end of my funeral message to say, folks, it's not by works lest any man should boast. It's by grace. It's by faith in him. Jesus, Jesus bought and paid for the price of our salvation. By the blood of Christ, by the cross of Jesus, by way of the empty tomb of our risen Lord, not by our good works. Don't ever get so involved in church work that you're missing a relationship with Christ. In 42 years, I've watched people get so involved in church work that that's more important than following Jesus. Now, they wouldn't say it like that, okay, but we've got to be honest with ourselves. It's not our good works. Now, should we do good works? Yes, but the good works have to be produced out of real faith. They flow like fruit. It normally naturally grows. It's not that we start doing the good works thinking we're going to earn our way and get closer to the Lord. When Jesus said, I am the way, that is what he was telling his disciples on the night of his crucifixion. He was telling them the way to heaven. He was, this is the capstone of what he was saying in John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And, and, and he comes on down, and Thomas said, how do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. Now, consider the person. Consider the person who made this incredible statement. I am the way. Consider Jesus. And it was said a moment ago, we sing it in our songs, but we also, it was in the interpretation of the tongues. I am. I am. When Moses went to God and he said, God, who do I say that you are? And he said, I am sent you. What does that mean? It means he is all sufficient. It means Whatever you need, he has. You don't have to worry about tomorrow or any day of 2019 because when you get to that need, the all-sufficient I am will already be there with the provision. But how many know you need to follow him and stay on his path? If I'm over here on a detour, I may not meet the provision in a timely manner. Now, God's merciful enough and loves us enough. If I'm way over here, he's going to pull me, pull me, pull me, pull me to get me back over here on his path because on his path is where the provision is. On his path is where the blessing is. Is anybody getting this this morning? I'm about to get happy here in a minute. So I, I, I usually preach myself happy, and if I figure if I get happy and I preach myself under conviction, if I get under conviction, hopefully someone else will, right? And, and so... It is a fact of who Jesus is that gives him the authority and the right to say, I am the way. Now, how many know in our world today, this is the most controversial statement Jesus ever made? I am the way. What do you hear all of the time in the world? 
There's many ways to heaven. You Christians are so narrow-minded to suggest there's only one way, and it's Jesus. Look at all of the different ways. Find your own way. But that's a lie of the enemy because there's one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. But that way is open to everyone. So don't say we're narrow-minded. It's whosoever will. Okay? You're invited. Come on. There's enough room for everyone. There's enough room for everyone. Hallelujah. People still debate uh, this, this, this question and ask the question, what makes him the way? Why can't he be a way among many ways? It's because of who he, he is. He could make the statement, I am, when he said that, he declared himself to be the son of the living God, to be one with the Father. Philip said later in this same chapter in verse 8 of, cha- of John 14, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the time I read that scripture, I get a little bit of conviction because I've been in the church all my life. I was saved as a child, and I thank God for that heritage. You know, the longer you're, longer you're in the church, the more, it, the more tempting it is to just kind of coast along, to be in his presence in church for years and to say, I don't know the Father, I don't know God, have we missed it somewhere, if that's the case? Okay, let's come back and say, give me a revelation of Jesus. If there's anything in your heart that you ought to pray for in 2019, it's, Lord, give me a revelation of you I've never had before. In fact, I think one of the most beautiful things about heaven is the fact that every new day in heaven, there's going to be something new to discover about our God. I used to think that, because I heard somebody say it years ago, well, when you get to heaven, you're going to know everything. No, you're not going to know everything because God's the only one that knows everything, okay? You're going to know more on the first day of heaven than you know now, but, but you're never going to exhaust the eternal nature of our God. Every new day in heaven will be an opportunity for a new revelation to be downloaded to us of our God. Hallelujah. Do you have a hunger to know God in a greater way, to have a revelation of really who he is? See, Jesus stands above all the great religious teachers of history. He's greater than them all. He's the Son of God. He's the great I Am, which comes from Exodus 3.14 when God said to Moses, I am who I am. It means I'll be everything you need in every situation that you face. The eternal living God, Jesus said, I am. The religious leaders challenged Jesus one day and said, we, we follow our father Abraham. I love Jesus' answer. Jesus said in John 8, 58, 8 he said, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. Abraham lived on this earth 2,000 years before Christ came as a man. But Jesus is the son of God. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And as soon as you have a revelation, now get this, as soon as you have a revelation of who Jesus is, you'll stop struggling with which religion is right. You'll stop struggling with which philosophy leads to God. You will realize that above all is Jesus, the great I am, the way, the truth, and the life. It's an understanding of who he is. Peter had that revelation 
when Jesus said, who do you say that I am, Peter? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? He said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but only my, the spirit of my Father. Amen. If you're going to have a revelation of who Jesus is, it's going to take hunger. It's going to take some discipline. It's going to take you opening up to the Holy Spirit. It's going to take you opening up to the Word of God. And when the Holy Spirit says there's something then it's going to take action and follow through. It's going to take you su- submitting to the Lord. So, so who, who, is, who is Christ? Who is this way to heaven? Who is this one who said, I am the way? Well, he's both man and God, right? Sure, he was a man. He was born in a manger. But as God, he is from everlasting to everlasting. As a man, they wrapped him in a blanket and placed him in a manger. But as God, he spoke the worlds into existence. As a man, he walked through the dusty streets of Galilee. But as God, he walked on the water and the winds and the waves obeyed his voice. As a man, he was tired. But as God, he said, I'll give you rest. As a man, he was tempted. But as God, he knew no sin. As a man, he was thirsty. But as God, he said, I'll give you to drink living water. As a man, he was hungry, but as God, he said, I am the bread of life. As a man, he prayed, but as God, he answered that prayer. As a man, he was crucified, but as God, on the third day, he arose as King of kings and Lord of lords. He said, I am the way, hallelujah. What did he say to every one of his disciples? Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. There was a crowd on that hill, fifteen to 20,000, that he fed he fed fishing back for more, right? The next day they came back for more fish and chips, and there was no fish and chips that day. They all left because they were only going to follow him for the blessing they got out of him. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Peter, are you going to go too? He said, Master, where shall I go? Peter made a lot of mistakes, and Peter was always putting both feet in his mouth, Right? But here's the good thing about Peter. Peter kept on following Jesus. He didn't, he, and he followed him for the right reason. Who is Jesus? This divine, eternal, sinless Son of God. That, that, that's what gives him the authority to say to the world, I am the way. And everything else you study cl- may claim to be the way, but only Jesus is the way, the only way to heaven, the way to live and think the way to your full destiny in Christ. Well, let me wrap this up. Because if I keep on preaching, you know, uh, I'll miss my plane. So, I got lots of sermons here, but I don't have time to preach them all. You don't have time to listen either, do you? You can say amen there. It's okay. Okay. The, the, the last point is follow Jesus because he's Lord. Follow Jesus. You see, that's the first question that our flesh says. When, when, when we say, okay, G, okay, Jesus is the way, okay, uh, okay, I'm supposed to follow him, why? You ever said why? I remember when Heather was little, and I'm a new dad, right? And, and, and she, she asked me, you know, I tried to explain something to her, and she said, she said, why? I just knew I could explain it to her so she wouldn't say why. But about a hundred whys later, I realized at that age, she did not have the capacity to understand. You realize there's some things God's going to ask you to do. You're not going to have the capacity to understand it individually, as a family, as a church. But that's where faith comes in. 
So I said, okay, God, I'm going to take one step. Lord, and and you ever have fear? Say, well, Lord, I don't know if this is the right step. I tell you, sometimes you just need to take the step. If it's the wrong step, it's only one step. God said, no, 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 pull that step back. It's over here. But as long as you stay frozen in your tracks, you're not going to get anywhere. Take a step. If it's a wrong step, don't worry about making a mistake. We all make mistakes. I made about 10 already today, right? I mean, take a step in the direction that you think God's leading, and he'll confirm it to you. And if it seems like it's wrong, back up and say, okay, God, I'm not sure that's right. Okay, I'm going to go over here. And sometimes we do have to wait for God to open the door. But look for the way. Start walking in the direction of God. You know, the way must be followed. You must do more than just believe. You've got to follow. You've got to follow. Now, if you're asking me how to get to Austin, Texas, I can tell you, okay? Uh, You go out here and you find I-35 South, and you stay on I-35 South, and you're going to get to Austin, Texas. Now, you can believe I'm right, and you say, man, that preacher, that pastor is really smart. He knows how to get to Austin, Texas. And I believe that that is the right way to get to Austin. But until you get in your automobile and start pointing it in the direction down I-35, you're never going to get to Austin, Texas. Okay? So we got to do more than believe. we got to follow. There's no benefit in just believing. Only when you follow Jesus with your life will you be blessed with eternal life. When I follow Jesus, what does that mean? It means I'm surrendering everything to him. He is the way that I act. His way is the way I think, the way I feel, the way I treat others. Jesus said, come follow me, stay close to me, don't lag behind. Trust Jesus that he knows where to lead us. It's a submitting of your will every day to Jesus to follow him. Jesus is saying, you can trust me completely with your life. Why should I follow Jesus? Because Jesus is Lord. Because he's Lord. That's the reason. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, Romans 10 and verse 9. Jesus is Lord in the Bible. He's called the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the harvest, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of peace, the Lord of righteousness, on and on. He's the Lord of the universe. For he calls out the starry host, and he calls them each by name, and the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies show forth his handiwork. He is the Lord over the environment because Colossians 1.15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Hallelujah. How many believe that sounds like he's Lord? He's Lord over science, for in him we live and move and have our being. He's Lord over psychology, for he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's Lord over history because he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. He's Lord over sin because he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He's Lord over sickness. Anybody need a healing today? For by his stripes we are healed. Jesus went about doing good and healing those that were oppressed of the devil. He's Lord over death. In Revelation he said, fear not, I am the first and the the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and hell. He's Lord over politicians. Aren't you glad for that? Because he has all authority on heaven and earth. He's Lord over the judges and the juries. For the Bible says 
that God gave Jesus the authority to judge because he's the son of man and we must all appear as believers before the judgment seat of Christ or as unbelievers before the great white throne judgment. He's the Lord over nations because the scripture says, to be still and know that I am God. I'm exalted above the nations. I'm exalted in the earth. The psalmist said, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Jesus is Lord over religion, every religion in the world. He's Lord over it. He's Lord over atheism. Because he is the image of the invisible God. He's Lord over the Catholics. He's Lord over the Protestants. He's Lord over the Baptists. He's Lord over the Assembly of God. He's Lord over our businesses, our jobs. He's Lord over our families. He's Lord over our city, our state, our nation, our lives. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. That's the reason I'm going to follow him. That's the reason I'm going to follow him. Come on, give him praise like you love him. Jesus is Lord. Now, I'm going to close with this. Who is this Lord? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you 26 reasons, the 26 letters of the alphabet. We're going to tell you who this Lord is. We're going to start with A. Who is he? He is the Alpha and Omega. Who is he? Letter B. He's the beginning and the ending. Now, you're going to catch as I go through it, so I'm not going to tell you each time. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the day star on high. He's Emmanuel. He's the faithful. He's the great high priest. He's the holy one of Israel. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the justifier of the sinner. He's the king of kings. He's the lamb of God. He's our mediator. He's our new covenant. He's our, he is our overcomer. He is the prince of peace, the quickener of the dead, the rock of ages. He's the savior of the world. He is the truth. He's the undeniable evidence of God. He's the victor over death, hell, and the grave. He is the word. Hard to get an X, but I'm going to go with expert. How about that? He's the, he's the expert creator of all things. He's the yielded servant of the Lord. He's the zenith of all truth. Hallelujah. He's the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, stand on your feet, and let's bless him and praise him right now. Lord of lords, king of kings. I will follow you, Lord. I will look for you. I will discover you. I need a revelation of you. Put my, you are, Lord. I will follow you with my life. I will trust you. I will put my faith in you. I will make you my Lord. Lord, be Lord of my life. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Because God told me 42 years ago, 42 and a half years ago, when I started preaching, maybe long, longer than that, I may be older than I think I am. God said, every time you preach, give an altar call. It's not, it's not my responsibility to save anybody. My responsibility is to preach, witness, give the opportunity. So there's been many services I've given all a call, and I didn't see a response. But see, what I don't know is how someone might have responded in their heart to the Lord. So I'm not going to try to embarrass you. But I'm here to challenge you today because I wasn't supposed to be here, but God knew I was supposed to be here to deliver this message. If he's not Lord, if he's not Lord of every area of your life, if you're holding back any area, surrender it to him today. Surrender to him today. And if you're not saved, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, if you die today, are you sure? If you're not sure, 
You can be sure by simply confessing your sin and making Jesus your Lord. That's simple. A child can do it. So either way, if it's first-time salvation or if you've backslidden, you've been away from God and you're coming back, or if you're a believer that's been in the church forever, like me, but you've been holding back in some area and you just need to surrender every area of your life. You want to get on God's path, God's road, God's way, walking in the way he wants you to go, making him Lord. If that's you in any of those areas, then I want you simply to lift your hand toward heaven right now. In fact, if you can, lift both hands and just lift them up and say, by lifting them up, say, Lord Jesus, I make you Lord right now. I confess the sins, Lord, just the sin of doing my own thing and doing what I wanted to do instead of what you wanted to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Pray this prayer to the Lord. And some other hands need to go up, so respond to the Lord right now. Right there, just lift that hand or hands to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, every sin, every selfish way, Lord, I'm going to get on your way. I'm going to follow you. Lord, give me the revelation that Peter had so that I can declare that you are Lord. Lord, I surrender every area of my life, and I make you Lord because I love you, Lord, and I want you to lead my life in 2019 on your path so I can find the destiny that you have for me, and I can glorify your name. Amen, amen. Come on, praise God for those who have prayed that prayer today. Amen. <laughs>